Are you ready to be stirred and receive an impartation of faith to move forward into all that God has purposed for your life? Welcome to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. I am your host, Elaine Haynes. I will be sharing what the Lord has given me through the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Logos and Rhema words of God. Welcome to Stirring of the Waters. I'm your host, Elaine Haynes, and today I'm going to be talking about something that is very relevant to our times. This will be episode 35, The Gates of Hell Shall Not Prevail. And a few weeks ago, I had a prophetic dream, and I'm going to be sharing that with you and letting you know why this is relevant to the times that we're in and what's to come. So first I'm going to read to you the scripture out of Matthew 16, 15 through 19. So Jesus said unto them, the disciples, but who, whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you Give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So let me share the dream with you. It was a very brief but very disturbing dream. I, I saw a huge storm. It was bigger than anything I've ever seen. And I next I heard the word Rephaim and immediately saw it superimposed in white letters. It was being written as I heard it on the storm. And I, I felt fear, and I woke up. Immediately, I saw the Lord and heard, Do not fear, no matter the storm or what is whispered in your ear. So the truth is, we know that we're in storms, in the natural and in the spirit. But Jesus has already given us victory. He has already overcome everything. Now, Rephaim means giant. I didn't know that until I looked it up. We cannot be as the ten spies who were afraid of what they saw in the natural, which was the giants, and speak doubt and unbelief about what God has promised. Jesus has already overcome all the power of the enemy, even death and hell. We don't need to fear. We have the final victory, and through Christ we can do all things. In these latter days, no matter what the storm is, no matter what comes, we have to stay strong and keep advancing the kingdom. We have to keep looking to Jesus, because he has all authority and power. So Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That word church is the Greek word ekklesia. And the root of it actually means called out, called out ones. We are called out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of God by revelation of him. Think about that. When you are born again, you recognize that you're a sinner and that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, that who took the penalty of your sin upon himself, and by believing in him, you are saved. Now, for to be able to believe that, you have to hear, you have to have revelation that Jesus is the Son of God who can take the place of you for your sins, who has been that, who is that atonement. So you receive that revelation and that's how you're translated from the kingdom of darkness to his kingdom. And <clears throat> so we're called out by revelation. 
The more revelation that we have of him, the stronger our foundation will be. Knowing him, we will not be moved by what we see in the natural, for he is above all and has all authority and power. Well, what's significant about the word Rephaim in the dream of the storm is that, again, it means giant. Moses defeated, when I started looking this up, studying it out, Moses defeated King Og of Bashan. He was the last representation of the giants of Rephaim. There's where the Rephaim came in. It means giant. And Moses defeated the last of the giants. King Og was the last representation of the giants. You can read that in Deuteronomy 3, 3 and 11 and Numbers 21, 33. This happened on Mount Hermon. Many scholars believe Mount Hermon was where the fallen angels first touched the earth. So that makes sense. Think about it. The, the Nephilim, the fallen angels. And here, you know, we've been told by scripture um, that they were like giants. And so this all sorts of ties together there. And then when, when they were cast out of heaven, it's believed that that was on Mount Hermon. And that is also where many scholars believe the transfiguration of Jesus took place. So at the base of this mountain, at the base of Mount Hermon, is Caesarea Philippi. And this is where Jesus took his disciples. And this encounter that I read the scripture from in Matthew 16 took place. This is where he asked them, who do men say that I am? And then to, who do you say that I am? And where Simon Peter had revelation by the Father. So this, was, this is very significant. There's nothing insignificant in scripture at all. But this particular location was chosen by Jesus to reveal some things to them. So at Caesarea Philippi, it's a very, it was a very pagan place. It was a Roman city, again, at the base of, the base of Mount Hermon. And the, in fact, the temple of Augustus, right behind it is where there was a cave. And it was believed by pagans to be the gate to hell. Where they're, that's where they worshipped their false gods. That's where, which are demons. They believed that this is the abode. There's where the demons came out of. It was a bottomless pit of water. They didn't. They could not measure all the way to the bottom. It, so it seemed bottomless. And they believed that was where the they, they believed that that is where the demons, the, the the their gods, came from. This is where they had temple prostitution and things like that. It was very very um, dark. This is where Jesus took his disciples and asked them, who do you say I am? This is a place, This in the Old Testament and in the New, this was a place of pagan worship. In the Old Testament, they worshiped Baal there. In the New Testament, they worshiped Pan and all the other demons that were the underlings of each of them. So this place is where Jesus took them, and this is where Peter received revelation and declared that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus declared to them at what was perceived to be the gate of hell. That's how it was perceived in their culture. And he declared that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church and gave the keys of the kingdom to his disciples to bind and loose. We are to advance the kingdom. The kingdom comes not by observation, but by revelation. Not what you see or not what you know, but what revelation you have received of Jesus Christ. This rock of revelation of Jesus Christ is what the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Our authority is based on revelation of Jesus, the Son of God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the living word, 
This is the capital R rock that Jesus said he would build his church on. That foundation that which we build everything we do say and be is the word, that word rock that Jesus talks about, on this rock I'll build my church, is the Greek word petra, which means huge boulder. And it's different from the word that Jesus used when he called Simon Barjona, or Simon, son of Jonah, when he said, Peter, you are Peter, which means little stone. It's the word Petrus, and that is little stone versus Petra. So Simon, son of Jonah, received a name change at that time. He was Simon, and then Jesus said, you are Peter. The word, the name Simon, it's fascinating. It actually means hearing. So when he heard that revelation of Christ, and he became Peter, the living stone, a living stone. We're all living stones. We become living stones by revelation of who Jesus is. So he became this stone, this piece of the rock. Jesus is the rock of ages, the cornerstone, the rock hewn without hands. When we receive revelation of him, we become a living stone. And so in this place, again, we're given the keys to bind and loose, the authority and power to bring the kingdom to the earth as it is in heaven through knowledge of Christ, through knowledge of everything that he's done, through knowledge of, of what he did on the earth, that we do the same thing. It is as it is in heaven, we bring it to the earth. He has all authority. He's in you. And we have been given authority to do what he did. He, we're told in 1 John 4 and 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus has been given all power, all authority, and he's with you always. That's where we get our power and authority. In fact, Philippians 2.13, one of my favorite verses, I probably say it each podcast. It is God himself which works in you to will and to do of his pleasure. God is working in you. Jesus is always with you. What can't you do? Well, there are some keys that we need to pay attention to, that we need actually to use. So we have to stay kingdom-minded. If we aren't kingdom-minded, we'll be self-minded, and that's where the enemy comes in. The devil will always tempt us in this area to be self-minded. Jesus said, I'm going to read the, the rest of that section in Matthew. From that time forth, this is Matthew 16, I'm going to read 21 to 23. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou art not mindful of the things of God, but are mindful of the things of men. He was offended by what Jesus spoke, because it didn't fit into his paradigm of kingdom, which was political takeover. So his mindset was offended. He had the mindset of a man. 
his own reasoning, his own understanding. What's amazing to me, and yet not so when I think about the reality of being tested by the prophetic revelations that we receive, by the word of God, the word will be tested, is that Peter had revelation. Just, just a few, we don't know how many days. It doesn't say, he said he began to teach them from that time forth. So we don't know if that took place over the same day or if it was a week later when this, when the, when this happened. But it, it seems to me by the way that it's written that it was not that long thereafter. So when, when so G, Peter had had revelation of Jesus as the anointed one, the son of God himself, God in the flesh. And when Jesus spoke of what he would be enduring, eventually crucified and then risen on the third day, it did not fit into Peter's worldview of kingdom, and he got offended. Offense means stumbling block. It's the bait of Satan. He wants to get us offended because then we fall back. Peter stumbled because he forgot that Jesus is the Christ of the Son of the living God. This is, this is who spoke. If you remembered that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he is God in the flesh, that he is the one in whom all things consist and have their being, that he's the author of your faith and the finisher, if we would keep that in the forefront of our minds, which is kingdom-minded because he's the king, so if we keep that in the forefront of our minds, then we will not be offended when we don't understand things of scripture, when we don't understand if we get a, if God tells us to do something and it doesn't make sense to our natural minds, if we know that God said it, then we just, because he's the king, we obey. We don't need to understand. We just, because at your word, another time Peter says, at your word, I've been fishing all day. It doesn't make sense, but at your word, I'm going to lay down that net again. We give the enemy access when we operate in our own reasoning. To wield authority, we must stay kingdom-minded. We must recognize and hear the king and submit to his will. So to stay strong in these storms that are coming, we have to remember we're in a war. And what are the weapons of our warfare? They're not carnal. They're not naturally-minded. They're not fleshly-minded, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is starting in us. We have to take every thought captive. We have to recognize when we are imagining things that are contrary to what the Word of God says, that are contrary against the knowledge of God, we need to bring those thoughts, those imaginations, into captivity. We take them captive. We put them in prison. We say, no, you shall not operate because God has said, and therefore he will equip me to do it. Therefore, I will believe what he has said. His word is the plumb line of my life. So God ultimately wants to use us to tear down worldly structures and bring his kingdom. And we can't do that if the world is in us. So the end result is to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. That's Ephesians 3 and 10. What are those principalities and powers? They're demonic structures. Babylon, mammon, idolatry, rebellion. Those are some of them. And the apostle John tells us that what, what is in the world, we're talking about world structures, that we're gonna, the church will be tearing down. We should be tearing them down now, in us first. But the apostle John tells us 
what is in the world and not of the Father or not of the kingdom. In 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, all, the lust of the flesh, that's our desires, the lust of the eyes, that's those things that we look at and want, and the pride of life, which is basically it's, it's um, everything that we think. It's because our pride is, is um, in, the, in, the, in the Western mindset, I'll just put it this way, it's not all that there is to it, but the Western mindset is all about me. And our pride wants it to be all about us. We would, it's hard to admit that, but when we face a situation that we don't understand or that we had a picture of what it was supposed to look like, that's where we stumble. And that's worldly thinking, that it's all about us or that we should be able to understand everything because we have a God of intellectualism. That's one of the gods of the Western culture is intellectualism. It's man's intellect. How much can we know? But we can't know everything because God is God and he knows the end from the beginning. He put us in place in this earth and sent us here for a purpose and it's to do his will. So we must receive our marching orders in this kingdom from the king of kings. For in the kingdom, there's a king. Jesus is the king of kings. We have to receive our marching orders from him. He is, you know, you, you know when there's um, privates in the army, there's always people over them and there's always people over us. You know, we don't see the full big picture and they do. And that's why they, they tell the, um, the private, the, the, um, you know, the guys that first get into whatever area of service it is, whether it's the armed forces, whether it's the Marines, the Navy, whatever. Um, they are just to, they break them down to raise them up, to teach them to be obedient at every order. Because when you find yourself in a war, you don't have time to, to think about what it is that you're, so you have to be quick. You have to be quick to respond because they see the big picture. They see the enemy. And God sees everything. He knows the plans have already been laid out. He knows the end from the beginning. He has his plan and his strategy that is always going to win. It's always going to prevail. It is already finished. Um, that's one of the things that we don't understand. Jesus said it is finished. He's already overcome and has all the keys of hell and death. He's already won the fullness of the battle, but the enemy still has all these skirmishes that we go through. And we know in the Revelation how it's going to play out. But God has given us authority and keys to open and shut. And it was, it's as it was prophesied through Jeremiah 1.10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. So we uproot godly, ungodly foundations and we tear down ungodly structures. We plant godly foundations on the rock of revelation of Christ and we build structures on that foundation. So what does that mean? for us personally we refuse old mindsets that are based on ungodly structures and foundations and we build on the foundation of revelation of christ jesus and on the word of god what he says because he is the word of god made flesh so as i meditated on all of these things i heard the lord say in me alone you will have peace in my name there is release from every foe for they're already defeated in me you must perceive yourself seated for the storms are coming, strong and fierce. The enemy desires your faith to be pierced, and that you fail, say strong in me, and you will prevail. It shall come forth as foretold of old. Be strong in my strength, courageous and bold. 
Speak my words, bind and loosen my name, for I have many victories to obtain. Over me the enemy has no power. He lies and taunts to see whom he can devour. Stay strong in faith, listen and obey. I am with you and will show you the way. So take that those words from the Lord. Recognize there's no place for fear. When the storms come, because they are coming, we're in them, more are coming. Stay strong in him. Stand on the revelation of Christ that you have received and stay in the word so you receive more. Listen to his voice. Obey. There is no other way. So be blessed today. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that this podcast has brought faith and it has brought um, strength to each of the hearers. Lord, I pray that that even as it goes forth out into the airwaves, Lord God, that, that, there is, that there is something that happens in the spiritual realm, Lord God, as your word is declared, as the truth of who you are, Jesus, is declared and decreed, Lord God, that, that there is a shift that happens in the heavenlies and that, and that, and that there's an opening over those that are, that, be, that are able to hear this podcast, Lord God, that their ears will be open to hear your voice specifically for the situations in their lives that they're facing and will face in the days to come. So they can be prepared and stand strong in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit ElaineHaines.com. That's A-L-A-N-E-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com for books, blogs, and spiritual growth. You can follow me on Facebook, and subscribe at cpnshows.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you next week for the next episode.